The History of King Lear by Naam Tate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae. King Lear. Read by Bob Gonzalez. Gloucester. Read by Martin Geeson. Kent. Read by Ariel Lipshaw. Edgar. Read by Dublin Gothic. Edmund the Bastard. Read by Elizabeth Clatt. Cornwall. Read by David Goldfarb. Cornwall's Servant, Old Man and Gentleman. Read by Algy Pug. Albany. Read by Noel Badrian. Burgundy and Physician. Read by James Curtis. Goneril's Gentleman Usher. Read by Christine G. Attendant and Messenger. Read by C. Jacob A. Arante, Cordelia's Attendant, and Herald. Read by Tiffany Halla Colonna. Attendant. Read by Phil Chenevere. First Ruffian and Officer. Read by Nathaniel W. C. Higgins. Second Ruffian and Captain. Read by Robert Hoffman. Goneril. Read by Bev Stevens. Regan. Read by Liberty Stump. Cordelia. Read by Miss Avarice. Narrator. Read by Algie Pug. Introduction and Prologue to the History of King Lear by Nahum Tate. Read by Martin Geeson. Epistle dedicatory to my esteemed friend Thomas Butler, Esquire. Sir, you have a natural right to this piece since by your advice i attempted the revival of it with alterations nothing but the power of your persuasion and my zeal for all the remains of shakespeare could have wrought me to so bold an undertaking i found that the new modelling of this story would force me sometimes on the difficult task of making the chiefest persons speak something like their character on matter whereon i had no ground in my author lear's real and edgar's pretended madness have so much of extravagant nature i know not how else to express it as could never have started but from our shakespeare's creating fancy the images and language are so odd and surprising and yet so agreeable and proper that whilst we grant that none but shakespeare could have formed such conceptions yet we are satisfied that they were the only things in the world that ought to be said on those occasions i found the whole to answer your account of it a heap of jewels unstrung and unpolished yet so dazzling in their disorder that i soon perceived i had seized a treasure twas my good fortune to light on one expedient to rectify what was wanting in the regularity and probability of the tale 
which was to run through the whole a love betwixt edgar and cordelia that never changed word with each other in the original this renders cordelia's indifference and her father's passion in the first scene probable it likewise gives countenance to edgar's disguise making that a generous design that was before a poor shift to save his life the distress of the story is evidently heightened by it and it particularly gave occasion of a new scene or two of more success perhaps than merit this method necessarily threw me on making the tale conclude in a success to the innocent distressed persons otherwise i must have encumbered the stage with dead bodies which conduct makes many tragedies conclude with unseasonable jests yet i was racked with no small fears for so bold a change till i found it well received by my audience and if this will not satisfy the reader i can produce an authority that questionless will marginal note mr dryden preface to the spanish friar neither is it of so trivial an undertaking to make a tragedy end happily what is more difficult to save than tis to kill the dagger and cup of poison are always in readiness but to bring the action to the last extremity and then by probable means to recover all will require the art and judgment of a writer and cost him many a pang in the performance i have one thing more to apologize for which is that i have used less quaintness of expression even in the newest parts of this play i confess twas design in me partly to comply with my author's style to make the scenes of a piece and partly to give it some resemblance of the time and persons here represented this sir i submit wholly to you who are both a judge and master of style nature had exempted you before you went abroad from the morose saturnine humour of our country and you brought home the refinedness of travel without the affectation many faults i see in the following pages and question not but you will discover more yet i will presume so far on your friendship as to make the whole a present to you and subscribe myself your obliged friend and humble servant n tate prologue ah since by mistakes your best delights are made for even your wives can please in masquerade twere worth our while to have drawn you in this day by a new name to our old honest play but he that did this evening's treat prepare bluntly resolved beforehand to declare your entertainment should be most old fair 
yet hopes since in rich shakespeare's soil it grew to relish yet with those whose tastes are true and his ambition is to please a few if then this heap of flowers should chance to wear fresh beauty in the order they now bear even this shakespeare's praise each rustic knows mongst plenteous flowers a garland to compose which strung by his coarse hand may fairer show but twas a power divine first made em grow why should these scenes lie hid in which we find what may at once divert and teach the mind morals were always proper for the stage but are even necessary in this age poets must take the church's teaching trade since priests their province of intrigue invade but we the worst in this exchange have got in vain our poets preach whilst churchmen plot Act One. Scene One. Enter bastard Solus. Thou, nature, art my goddess. To thy law my services abound. Why am I then deprived of a son's right because I came not in the dull road that custom has prescribed? Why, bastard? Wherefore base? when i can boast a mind as generous and a shape as true as honest madam's issue why are we held base who in the lusty stealth of nature take fiercer qualities than what compound the scanted births of the stale marriage-bed well then legitimate edgar to thy right of law i will oppose a bastard's cunning our father's love is to the bastard edmund as to legitimate edgar with success I've practised yet on both their easy natures. Here comes the old man chaffed with the information which last I forged against my brother Edgar, a tale so plausible, so boldly uttered, and heightened by such lucky accidents, that now the slightest circumstance confirms him, and base-born Edmund spite of law inherits. Enter Kent and Gloucester nay good my lord your charity or shoots itself to plead in his behalf you are yourself a father and may feel the sting of disobedience from a son first born and best beloved oh villain edgar be not too rash all may be forgery and time yet clear the duty of your son plead with the seas and reason down the winds yet shalt thou ne'er convince me i have seen his foul designs through all a father's fondness but be this light and thou my witnesses that i discard him here from my possessions divorce him from my heart my blood and name it works as i could wish i'll show myself oh edmund welcome boy oh kent see here inverted nature gloucester's shame and glory 
this by-born the wild sally of my youth pursues me with all filial offices whilst edgar begged of heaven and born in honour draws plagues on my white head that urge me still to curse in age the pleasure of my youth nay weep not edmund for thy brother's crimes o oh, generous boy thou shar'st but half his blood yet lov'st beyond the kindness of a brother but i'll reward thy virtue follow me my lord you wait the king who comes resolved to quit the toils of empire and divide his realms amongst his daughters heaven succeed it but much i fear the change i grieve to see him with such wild starts of passion hourly seized as renders majesty beneath itself alas tis the infirmity of his age yet has his temper ever been unfixed choleric and sudden hark they approach exeunt gloucester and a bastard scene two flourish enter lear cornwall albany burgundy edgar goneril regan cordelia edgar speaking to cordelia at entrance cordelia royal fair turn yet once more and ere successful burgundy receive the treasure of thy beauties from the king ere happy burgundy for ever fold thee cast back one pitying look on wretched edgar alas what would the wretched edgar with the more unfortunate cordelia who in obedience to a father's will flies from her edgar's arms to burgundy's attend my lords of albany and cornwall with princely burgundy we do my liege give me the map no lords we have divided in three our kingdom having now resolved to disengage from our long toil of state conferring all upon your younger years you burgundy cornwall and albany long in our court have made your amorous sojourn and now are to be answered tell me my daughters which of you loves us most that we may place our largest bounty with the largest merit goneril our eldest born speak first sir i do love you more than words can utter beyond what can be valued rich or rare nor liberty nor sight health fame or beauty are half so dear my life for you were vile as much as child can love the best of fathers of all these bounds e'en from this line to this with shady forests and wide-skirted meads we make thee lady to thine and albany's issue be this perpetual what says our second daughter my sister sir in part expressed my love for such as hers is mine though more extended sense has no other joy than i can relish i have my all in my dear liege's love therefore to thee and thine hereditary remain this ample third of our fair kingdom aside now comes my trial 
how am I distressed, that must with cold speech tempt the choleric king, rather to leave me dourless than condemn me to loathed embraces? Speak now, our last, not least in our dear love. So ends my task of state. Cordelia, speak. What canst thou say to win a richer third than what thy sisters gained? Now must my love in words fall short of theirs, as much as it exceeds in truth. Nothing, my lord. <laughs> nothing can come of nothing. Speak again. Unhappy I am that I can't dissemble, sir, as I ought. I love your majesty, no more nor less. Take heed, Cordelia, thy fortunes are at stake. Think better, aunt, and mend thy speech a little. O oh, my liege, you gave me being, bred me, dearly loved me, and I return my duty as I ought, obey you, love you, and most honour you. Why have my sisters husbands, if they love you all? Happily when I shall wed, the Lord whose hand shall take my plight, will carry half my love, for I shall never marry, like my sisters, to love my father all. And goes thy heart with this? Tis said that I am choleric. Judge me, gods, is there not cause? Now, minion, I perceive the truth of what has been suggested to us, thy fondness for the rebel son of Gloucester false to his father as thou art to my hopes and oh take heed rash girl lest we comply with thy fond wishes which thou wilt too late repent for know our nature cannot brook a child so young and so ungentle so young my lord and true thy truth then be thy dower for by the sacred sun and solemn night I here disclaim all my paternal care, and from this minute hold thee as a stranger both to my blood and favour. This is frenzy. Consider, good my liege. Peace, Kent. Come not between a dragon and his rage. I loved her most, and in her tender trust designed to have bestowed my age at ease. So be my grave my peace, as here I give my heart from her, and with it all my wealth. My lords of Cornwall and of Albany, I do invest you jointly with full right in this fair third, Cordelia's forfeit dower. Mark me, my lords, observe our last resolve. Ourself attended with an hundred knights, will make abroad with you in monthly course. The name alone of king remain with me. Yours be the execution and revenues. This is our final will, and to confirm it, this coronet part between you. Royal Lear, whom I have ever honoured as my king, loved as my father, as my master followed, and as my patron thought on in my prayers. Away, the bow is bent. Make from the shaft. No, let it fall and drench within my heart. Be Kent unmannerly when Lear is mad? Thy youngest daughter. 
on thy life no more what wilt thou do old man out of my sight see better first now by the gods now by the gods rash king thou swearest in vain ah traitor do kill thy physician lear strike through my throat yet with my latest breath i'll thunder in thine ear my just complaint and tell thee to thy face that thou dost ill hear me rash man on thy allegiance hear me since thou hast striven to make us break our vow and pressed between our sentence and our power which nor our nature nor our place can bear we banish thee for ever from our sight and kingdom if when three days are expired thy hated trunk be found in our dominions that moment is thy death away why fare thee well king since thou art resolved i take thee at thy word and will not stay to see thy fall the gods protect the maid that truly thinks and has most justly said thus to new climates my old truth i bear friendship lives hence and banishment is here exit now burgundy you see her price is fall'n yet if the fondness of your passion still affects her as she stands dowerless and lost in our esteem she's yours take her or leave her pardon me royal lear i but demand the dower yourself proposed and here i take cordelia by the hand duchess of burgundy then leave her sir for by a father's rage i tell you all her wealth away then sir be pleased to charge the breach of our alliance on your own will not my inconstancy exeunt manent edgar and cordelia has heaven then weighed the merit of my love or is the raving of my sickly thought could burgundy forgo so rich a prize and leave her to despairing edgar's arms have i thy hand cordelia do i clasp it the hand that was this minute to have joined my hated rivals do i kneel before thee and offer at thy feet my panting heart smile princess and convince me for as yet i doubt and dare not trust the dazzling joy some comfort yet that twas no vicious blot that has deprived me of a father's grace but merely want of that that makes me rich in wanting it a smooth professing tongue o oh, sisters i am loth to call your fault as it deserves but use our father well and wrong cordelia never shall repine o oh, heavenly maiden that art thyself thy dower richer in virtue than the stars in light if edgar's humble fortunes may be graced with thy acceptance at thy feet he lays them ah my cordelia dost thou turn away what have i done to offend thee talked of love then i've offended oft cordelia too has oft permitted me so to offend when edgar i permitted your addresses i was the darling daughter of a king nor can i now forget my royal birth and live dependent on my lover's fortune i cannot to so low a fate submit and therefore study to forget your passion and trouble me upon this theme no more thus majesty takes most state in distress how are we tossed on fortune's fickle flood 
the wave that with surprising kindness brought the dear wreck to my arms has snatched it back and left me mourning on the barren shore aside this baseness of the ignoble burgundy draws just suspicion on the race of men his love was interest so may edgar's be and he but with more compliment dissemble if so i shall oblige him by denying but if his love be fixed such constant flame as warms our breasts if such i find his passion my heart as grateful to his truth shall be and cold cordelia prove as kind as he exit enter bastard hastily brother i found you in a lucky minute fly and be safe some villain has incensed our father against your life distressed cordelia but oh more cruel hear me sir your life your life's in danger a resolve so sudden and of such black importance twas not sudden some villain has of long time laid the train and yet perhaps twas but pretended coldness to try how far my passion would pursue he hears me not wake wake sir say ye brother no tears good edmund if thou bring'st me tidings to strike me dead for charity delay not that present will befit so kind a hand your danger sir comes on so fast that i want time to inform you but retire whilst i take care to turn the pressing stream oh gods for heaven's sake sir pardon me sir a serious thought had seized me but i think you talked of danger and wished me to retire must all our vows end thus friend i obey you o oh, cordelia exit <laughs> fond man such credulous honesty lessens the glory of my artifice his nature is so far from doing wrongs that he suspects none if this letter speed and pass for edgar's as himself would own the counterfeit but for the foul contents then my designs are perfect here comes gloucester enter gloucester stay edmund turn what paper were you reading a trifle sir what needed then that terrible dispatch of it into your pocket come produce it sir a letter from my brother sir i had just broke the seal but knew not the contents yet fearing they might prove to blame endeavoured to conceal it from your sight tis edgar's character reads this policy of fathers is intolerable that keeps our fortunes from us till age will not suffer us to enjoy em i am weary of the tyranny come to me that of this i may speak more if our father would sleep till i waked him you should enjoy half his possessions and live beloved of your brother edgar slept till i wake him you should enjoy half his possessions edgar to write this against his indulgent father death and hell fly edmund seek him out wind me into him that i may bite the traitor's heart and fold his bleeding entrails on my vengeful arm perhaps twas writ my lord to prove my virtue 
for these late eclipses of the sun and moon can bode no less love cools and friendship fails in cities mutiny in countries discord the bond of nature cracked twixt son and father find out the villain do it carefully and it shall lose thee nothing exit so now my project's firm but to make sure i'll throw in one proof more and that a bold one i'll place old gloucester where he shall o'erhear us confer of this design whilst to his thinking deluded edgar shall accuse himself be honesty my interest and i can be honest too and what saint so divine that will successful villainy decline exit scene three enter kent disguised now banished kent if thou canst pay thy duty in this disguise where thou dost stand condemned thy master lear shall find thee full of labours enter lear attended in there and tell our daughter we are here now what art thou a man sir what dost thou profess or wouldst with us i do profess to be no less than i seem to serve him truly that puts me in trust to love him that's honest to converse with him that's wise and speaks little to fight when i can't choose and to eat no fish i say what art thou a very honest-hearted fellow and as poor as the king then art thou poor indeed what canst thou do i can keep honest counsel mar a curious tale in the telling deliver a plain message bluntly that which ordinary men are fit for i am qualified in and the best of me is diligence follow me thou shalt serve me enter one of goneril's gentlemen now sir sir exit kent runs after him what says the fellow call the clatpole back my lord i know not but methinks your highness is entertained with slender ceremony who says my lord your daughter is not well why came not the slave back when i called him my lord he answered me in the surliest manner that he would not re-enter gentleman brought in by kent i hope our daughter did not so instruct him now who am i sir my lady's father my lord's knave strikes him goneril at the entrance i'll not be struck my lord nor tripped neither thou vile civet box strikes up his heels by day and night this is insufferable i will not bear it now daughter why that frontlet on speak does that frown become our presence sir this licentious insolence of your servants is most unseemly hourly they break out in quarrels bred by their unbounded riots i had fair hope by making this known to you to have had a quick redress but find too late that you protect and countenance their outrage and therefore sir i take this freedom which necessity makes discreet are you our daughter come sir let me entreat you to make use of your discretion 
and put off betimes this disposition that of late transforms you from what you rightly are. Does any here know me? Why, this is not Lear. Does Lear walk thus, speak thus? Where are his eyes? Who is it that can tell me who I am? Come, sir, this admiration's much of the savour of other your new humours. I beseech you to understand my purposes aright. As you are old, you should be staid and wise. Here do you keep an hundred knights and squires, men so debauched and bold that this our palace shows like a riotous inn, a tavern, brothel. Be then advised by her that else will take that which she begs, to lessen your attendance. Take half away, and see that the remainder be such as may befit your age, and know themselves and you. Darkness and devils! Saddle my horses, call my train together. Degenerate viper, I'll not stay with thee. I yet have left a daughter. Serpent! Monster! Lessen my train, and call em riotous. All men approved of choice and rarest parts, that each particular of duty know. How small, Cordelia, was thy fault! O Lear, beat at this gate that let thy folly in, and thy dear judgment out. Go, go, my people. Going off meets Albany entering. Ingrateful Duke, was this your will? What, sir? Death, fifty of my followers at a clap. The matter, madam? Never afflict yourself to know the cause, but give his dotage way. Blasts upon thee, the untempted woundings of a father's curse pierce every sense about thee. Old fond eyes, lament this cause again, I'll pluck ye out, and cast ye with the waters that ye lose to temper clay. No, Gorgon, thou shalt find that I'll resume the shape which thou dost think I have cast off for ever. Mark ye that. Hear, nature, dear goddess, hear. And if thou dost intend to make that creature fruitful, change thy purpose. Pronounce upon her womb the barren curse, that from her blasted body never spring a babe to honour her. But if she must bring forth, defeat her joy with some distorted birth or monstrous form, the prodigy of the time, and so perverse of spirit, that it may live her torment as t'was born, to fret her cheeks with constant tears, and wrinkle her young brow, turn all her mother's pains to shame and scorn, that she may curse her crime too late, and feel how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. Away, away! Exit cum suis. Presuming thus upon his numerous train, he thinks to play the tyrant here, and hold our lives at will. Well, you may bear too far. Exit. End of the first act.